Welcome back to another Edge Got In podcast. Thank you for pushing that pause button today to Edge Got In to your mind, your will, and those emotions. Today, we're going to talk about one thing God hates. Hmm. Stick with us. At the end of today's podcast, you'll actually be able to reflect on 12 specific areas in this one thing that God hates. Our mission at Edge God In is to champion your human potential in Christ. We are walking hand in hand with the Emotional Intelligence in Christ project. And our goal with that project is to create cultures and lives with followers of Jesus who practice emotional intelligence in their thoughts, their words, their actions, all for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. Our mission statement is to create learning systems that lead to an experience of God's love, which empower individuals to manage emotions and behaviors that glorify God. If you haven't already done so, please explore emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. You'll find many different resources, including a book, a course, a six-week study guide, workshops, a bi-weekly newsletter to give you a tip and a reminder in the area of emotional intelligence in Christ and what that looks like, feels like, and sounds like. Today's topic, actually, is a huge player when it comes to the first step in emotional intelligence in Christ. And the first phase of emotional intelligence is in Christ is your identity in Christ. Satan is after our identity these days, my friends. And it is running rampant. He wants to forget. He wants us to forget whose we are, why we're here, and why we matter. He wants us to forget our purpose. He wants us to become distracted. He wants us to become flatlined, where we're in the gray zone. As Jesus says so beautifully in Revelations, you are neither hot nor cold, so I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Dear God, wake us up. We pray for the grace today moving forward to wake up to this one thing that you hate that fuels so much of our behavior and hijacks our ability to be emotional intelligence, intelligent in you and with you. As I was going through the study, as you know, Lord, my heart has been convicted. So I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart today, as I'm sharing this me message, would empower the hearts and the lives of the people who are listening in today. Show us what's for us, God. Give us the ability to pause, to step off the hamster wheel of life. The shiny objects help us to put them down for a moment, to be still, to know that you are God. You have something for us, something big in today's topic. So give us the grace to be attentive. Help us also to bring in our own experience wherever we're coming from today. Perhaps we're coming from a place of frustration today, anger, feeling rejected, overlooked, unseen. Either way, Lord, you meet us just like you did the woman at the well, right where we're at. And you love us enough not to leave us there. So wake us up inside, particularly around this topic, Lord, so that you can restore our identity to yourself. We are created in you for your purposes. It is God. It is you, Father God, 
who works within us, both to will and to act according to your good purposes. Thank you that we are your handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that you've prepared in advance for us to do. So it's crazy emotions, Lord, that hijack us and prevent us from making you recognizable. So Jesus, may today be a little retreat to come back, come back to you. We give you permission to move us to come alive in you and with you for the sake of salvation of souls. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This podcast will be posted at edgegodin.com. That's our main site. You'll be able to use the search button in the upper right-hand corner to locate different topics. We recently are doing a series on the disc and how uh, different disc patterns solve problems. Our goal, again, is to create those learning systems that give us the grace to connect to others as Jesus did. For today's podcast, I'm actually going to offer another resource, and you'll find that at edgegodin.com under today's topic, One Thing God Hates. And the resource is the PDF that I'm actually pulling from. My desire to share this topic came from my own walk with the Lord, and I was listening to a Joyce Meyer's teaching, and she briefly mentioned The 50 Fruits of Pride by Brent Detweiler. And so I got online and I I Googled that (laughs) and searched it and found it and printed it out. And it's several pages long. I have the document right next to me as I'm doing this podcast, all highlighted. There's actually 10 pages to it. So this is the cliff notes note version, my friend, my friends. So you will be able to download the entire 10 pages and print it out for the Lord to take you where he wants to take you in this study. It is extremely powerful. And as I mentioned in the beginning of our time today, this is the one thing God hates, and that is pride. The 50 fruits of pride. How do you know if you're prideful? I've mentioned this before. There are many different faces of pride. But let's first take a look at five things to know about pride and humility from the scriptures. Pride is the root of all evil, as we're told. It is the root of all evil. It's important for us to really wake up in this area, to invite the Holy Spirit to show us, Holy Spirit, show me where I am hijacked by pride. Give me the grace today to lean into this conversation. In Genesis 3.5, Satan used pride to deceive Eve. He played on pride. The pride of greed, wanting more. It's not enough to just have the garden and all these beautiful accommodations in the Garden of Eden. We want more. Greed is one of the faces of pride, wanting more. 1 Timothy 3.6 We must not be conceited, my friends, or we will fall under the same judgment as the devil, (laughs) if that's not enough to deter us, to get us on our knees every day. Lord, I do not want to think a thought. I don't want to speak a word or give free rent to anything within my heart or mind that has a fuel around it from pride. 
We must not be conceited, my friends, or we'll fall under the same judgment as the devil. 1 Timothy 3, 6, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, do not love the world or anything in the world. The desires of the flesh, the eyes, the boasting of what you have and do is not from God, but is from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. 1 John chapter 2 is packed full of wisdom in that area. Simply put in verses 15 through 17, don't love the world or anything in, in it. And then he gets very specific, envy, lust, boasting. Envy, lust, and boasting. Second point to consider, God hates pride. So we know that pride is the root of all evil. Second point is God hates pride. How do we know that God hates pride? Read the scriptures. The scriptures are full of this truth. Proverbs 8.13, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behaviors, and perverse speech. 16.5, the Lord detests the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Daniel. I've been reading through Daniel again. I know I've mentioned Daniel many different times throughout the years in different studies. It is so packed full of this is what happens when you're prideful, this is what happens when you're humble. <laughs> it is a boots on the ground story of pride and humility. King Nebuchadnezzar in chapter three, as well as the beginning of chapter four, is praising God because he witnessed a miracle. Rakshak and Benny. That's from Veggie Tales, if anyone's familiar with Veggie Tales. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to the statue. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. And there was a fourth man walking with them. The Son of Man, an angel of God that protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They weren't burnt. Nebuchadnezzar witnessed this firsthand. He's a firsthand witness. So that literally catapulted him out of a hijacked identity into a statue, into things, into his reputation, the power he had, his popularity, his position, all of that. In one instant of witnessing that miracle of three men of God who declared and basically said, hey, our lives are in God's hands, but we're not going to deny him. And as a result of that, God chose in that moment to save their lives. Even their clothes didn't even smell burnt. Read chapter 3 of Daniel if you're not familiar with that story. Nebuchadnezzar hijacked by pride. God stripped him of his throne and reputation until humility was restored. Now, after he witnessed this miracle, King Nebuchadnezzar rejoiced. And perhaps you can relate to that. Perhaps something good has just happened in your life. And you are so excited about it. And so you're rejoicing in God. It's easy to rejoice in God when things are going well for us. It's the test of the soul. When we go through, as John of the Cross said, the dark night of the soul experience, suffering can refine us in areas and bring us to a depth of humility that times of refreshment can't even touch. There's a series that we're doing at Edge God In called Don't Waste Your Suffering. If you haven't already listened to the two that we have 
that are currently available, highly recommend you check it out. Edgeguardian.com, put in the search, search bar, don't waste your suffering. I'll, I'll be having the opportunity, thanks be to God, to interview Johnny Erickson Tata. If you're not familiar with her story, just Google, just search on your computer, Johnny Erickson Tata. Her work, she's, she's the number one nonprofit organization serving people with, disabil- with disabilities. And, and she herself is in a wheelchair and does incredible art as well. Her story is phenomenal. If you haven't gotten her book, highly recommend it. It's called Johnny. And she recently did a book with her husband as well. But again, suffering produces humility. Humility allows, it's the archway through which the mighty work of God is done in people's lives. God does not choose the wise, but he chooses the humble to shame the wise. So King Nebuchadnezzar was singing the Lord's praise after witnessing this incredible goodness of God in saving Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then Shazam, he was hijacked back into pride. What's interesting to note is this was 29 days later, approximately, 29 days later after he had declared the praises of God and said, I'm here because of God. Glory be to God. Glory be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And praising God. And then all of a sudden, he was hijacked by pride. 29 verses later, you find him taking credit and saying, this is my kingdom. I've done this. I've done that. This is a very powerful shift for us to think about because many times when good things happen to us, it's very easy to lean into that self-reliance. And that's that's a piece of pride, and we'll talk about that. But just leaning on ourselves, particularly when things are going really well and We've put in the effort and we're getting the the fruits of our effort. And it's it's very easy. Satan uses it because it's the very thing that caused him to fall from heaven. So he's after us to be full of, hey, you did this. It's because of you this happened. And that's what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. And God just flattened him. Actually, he went out into the wilderness. He ate food like animals. And then after a while of being completely devastated, and everything stripped from him, it says that he came back to his right mind. I find that very interesting. So this is emotional intelligence in Christ, my friends, is a work between the heart and the mind, what goes on between the two ears and your heart being nailed to the cross of Christ. When your heart is nailed to the cross of Christ, then what you think is going to be good, right, true, beautiful, excellent, and praiseworthy. When it's not, and you're kind of disconnected from the heart and just moving from the head, that's when pride starts coming in. The Lord detests the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. Check out Daniel chapter 3 and 4 to get a real visual of what this looks like. Pride, no pride. And God's response to that. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Same thing. 1 Peter 5, 5, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. I hate pride and arrogance. Proverbs eight thirteen. 
So first point here today, pride is the root of all evil. Second point, God hates pride. Third point, God loves humility. I know this is stating the obvious, my friends. And even in just getting off the hamster wheel of life and pausing for a moment and allowing God to do an examination of consciousness to show us where am I giving free rent to any seed of pride in my life? If I'm harboring any seed of pride in my life, that restricts the mighty work of God through me. This is serious business. <laughs> God loves humility. Proverbs 11.2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. We get humility. We get when we get humility, we get wisdom. Proverbs 15:33, humility comes before honor. Again, it's it's referred to in 18:12 of Proverbs. Honor. Humility leads to honor. Again, in Proverbs 29:23, humility leads to honor. That's why this is serious business. <laughs> it's like spring cleaning. You might have said, Oh, I gave that shirt away a long time ago. But it's tucked way back in there in your closet, and you don't even see it. It's still there. The devil is very crafty, uses a lot of trickery to mask pride in our lives, false humility. Isaiah 57, 15, I live with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. What does contrite mean? It means you're sorry for sins. Sorry for the times you do behavior that does not make God recognizable. Sorry for the times when, man, there is uh, so much invitation in this world that prevents us from even thinking about being contrite and sorry. And I've mentioned this in other podcasts. I've started a, a little um, practice that was done by Orthodox monks a long, long time ago. And it's just a small statement that I fill my mind with in the midst of transitions so that Satan doesn't get a foothold filling it with thoughts of pride or thoughts of anxiety that come from pride, thinking that I'm in control of my life. And when I'm not getting what I want, then anxiety comes in, right? Or when difficult times happen. The statement is simple. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. And as I say this, something miraculous is happening within me. I'm not getting spun like I used to when things were not going in the direction I wanted them to go, or I'm not also getting triggered into offense as quickly. These are my own personal noticings from this practice of just constantly staying connected in humility to God. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or I'll just say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. So then when the antics of other human beings, and now this is all emotional intelligence in Christ, the antics of other human beings that can trigger us into, hey, I deserve better. Why would you say that to me? All have the roots in pride. Is just not even taking stage. It's just staying small. I must become less so that he can become more. So feel free to take that out there into earth school. Practice it yourself. Just say it a thousand times a day. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. 
Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. I live with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. Now, Micah 6.8 is, is a very powerful verse to think about as well. God loves humility. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. So those are three directives that are very clear. If you even memorize that verse, Lord Jesus, help me to act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with you. Show me how to walk humbly with you. And then, of course, Jesus, he who humbles himself will be exalted. First Peter 5, 6, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble, once again. So three points here. Pride is the root of all evil. God hates pride. God loves humility. What pride is not? Pride is not acknowledging and appreciating the gifts and abilities God has given you. Pride is not the presence of godly desire ambition, and purposeful direction in your life. Pride is not acknowledging the work of God within you. Pride is not the pursuit of excellence. Pride is not defending and proclaiming the truth of scriptures. It's very clear that we understand what pride is not and what pride is. And final and fifth point here is pride is deceptive. It's what deceived Satan, Isaiah 14, 13 through 15. Satan fell from heaven. Notice how many times, in fact, circle how many times it says, I, I did this, I did that. That's pride. It's what you want to know about pride so that you can be aware of it. And again, this is a job for Jesus because <laughs> so many times, my friends, I read through this list 10 pages long. And I thought I was doing pretty good in the area of pride. I'm praying the litany of humility every Friday. The fact that I even thought I was doing well is pride in itself, just saying in my out loud voice. As I read through these 50 fruits of pride, I was convicted and fell to my knees. And I thought, wow, I'm definitely saying, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner, because <laughs> I am hijacked by this. And I invite you to take the pride challenge. Go to edgegodin.com, look up this podcast, One Thing God Hates, and print out the 10 pages of the 50 Fruits of Pride. Get your highlighter, my friend, and ask the Holy Spirit, where am I stuck in pride? And he will let you know because he wants to set you free. And God adores you enough not to leave you there. So there are 50 Fruits of Pride. Today, we're going to talk about 12 of them. And I discerned these 12 and thought they're, they're varied enough that it might touch pretty much everybody that's listening in today in some way, even if there's one thing. So as I'm reading through these 12 fruits of pride from the list by Brent Detweller, simply tune into what's for you. What is for you? 50 Fruits of Pride, first one. I'm going to do 12 today, 12 of the 50. First one. This is how you know that you're being hijacked by pride. You want to be well-known or important. Do you want to be well-known or important? Perhaps you can relate to this statement. I am selfishly ambitious. I really want to get ahead and make a name for myself. I want to be someone important in life. I like having a position or title. I far prefer leading to following. 
Now, this is the world's way. I'll declare that right now. And I've played that game many times. I still play that game. Selfish ambition, vain conceits. It's one of my common prayers. Dear God, deliver me from vain conceits and selfish ambition. So the first fruit of pride to think about, huh, do I want to be well-known and important? James 3, 13 through 16 says, who is wise among you? Let him show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. By deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy or selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Does that sound familiar to you today? Where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Just turn on the news, and it's rampant. First and foremost, look in your own life. Holy Spirit, where am I harboring envy and selfish ambition? Because it will lead to disorder and every evil practice within our households. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, my friends but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Again, remember, read Isaiah 14, 13 through 15. Pride disconnected Satan's identity from God and cast him down into the netherworld. It was pride. God hates pride. Why? Because it's a false identity. We think we are something outside of us, and we are not. We are not the opinions of other people. We are not our degrees. We're not our income, our bank account. We're not the image in the mirror. I remember when I was bald and breastless, and God reminded me, don't forget this. You're not your hair, you're not your breasts, you're not your eyebrows, you're not your eyelashes. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You belong to me to declare my praises because I've called you out of darkness into my light. So perhaps it's wanting to be well-known or important. Second fruit of pride today. Sinfully competitive, being sinfully competitive. I'm overly competitive. I always want to win or come out on top, and it bothers me when I don't. So perhaps you're overly competitive. I know I've been throughout my life. I used to cheat when I was younger because I was so competitive. So first one is I want to be well-known or important. First fruit of pride. Second, second fruit of pride we're discussing today is sinfully competitive. Third fruit, I want to impress people. I want people to be impressed with me. I like to make my accomplishments known. Now, this one's a slippery little one that, that Satan can use. You might show up with, with great acumen. You might, you might show up, you know, looking like you're humble, right, in situations. Um, yet you're looking for an opportunity. It's kind of like it runs, runs underneath the radar. Satan's like, hey, you know, make sure that they, you know, you can press these people. I used to look for opportunities to let people know how much education I had. That's how bad it was. When I first started my, my business 20 years ago, 
And the Holy Spirit's like, you got to stop that right now if you want to go where I want you to go. Do you want people to know or be impressed by you or what you've done? So that's the third fruit of pride. Perhaps you don't recognize yourself in these three so far. You don't really care if you're well-known or important. Perhaps you're not sinfully competitive and you don't want to impress people. Then maybe you're not fulfilled serving others. I'm not very excited about seeing or making others successful. I tend to feel envious, jealous, or critical towards those who are not doing well or being honored. Who, for, to those who are doing well or being honored. So that's not fulfilling or not feeling fulfilled serving others. That's the prayer I've shared with you about 10 years ago. God moved me in the shower <laughs> to start praying. And I was like, I don't think I can authentically pray this. And yet he gave me the grace to do it. Lord, I pray for the success of other people over my own. And help me to show where I can serve and honor other people in their own successes rather than my own. So not fulfilling or not, not feeling fulfilled serving others. That's a sign of pride. So the fifth fruit of pride is self-sufficient. Perhaps you relate to that. It's a good one. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Being self-sufficient. I tend to be self-sufficient in the way I live my life. I don't live with a constant awareness that my every breath is dependent upon the will of God. I tend to think I have enough strength, ability, and wisdom to live and manage my life. My practice of the spiritual disciplines is inconsistent and superficial. I don't like to ask others for help. Ooh, here's your sign. Are you self-sufficient? Sixth fruit, anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. Yet I am often anxious about my life and about my future. I tend not to trust God and rarely experience his abiding and transcendent peace in my soul. I have a hard time sleeping at night because of fearful thoughts and burdens I carry. Is that you? Perhaps that's the fruit of pride that God desires to deliver you from today. Seventh fruit of pride, self-focused. I'm overly self-conscious. I tend to replay in my mind how I did, what I said, how I came across to others. I'm very concerned about my appearance and what people think of me. I think about these things constantly. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you if you're self-focused. Seventh fruit of pride. Are you overly self-conscious? After you had uh, an interview or led a meeting, facilitated a presentation, had a conversation with a colleague or a friend or even family members, and then it sticks with you, you give it free rent, you kind of push the replay button one to 10 times, you replay it over in your mind wondering, oh, I should have said this, I shouldn't have said that. That's too much self-focus, my friends. That's being hijacked by pride. Ask the Holy Spirit to deliver you from that. Eighth fruit of pride, fear of man. Am I still trying to win the approval of man or of God? Or am I going to be a servant of Christ? We can't have it both ways. Jesus let us know that. You cannot serve man and God. 
perhaps this is you today. Perhaps this is your fruit today that the Holy Spirit wants to deliver you from. The fruit of pride. I fear man more than God. I am afraid of others and make decisions about what I will say or do based upon this fear. I'm afraid to take a stand for things that are right. I'm concerned with how people will react to me and perceive my actions or words. I don't often think about God's opinion in a matter and rarely think there could be consequences for disobeying him. I am primarily I primarily seek the approval of man and not of God. Is that you today, my friend? Jesus desires to deliver you from that. The ninth fruit of pride is being insecure. This is a common one. I've been doing work in, with human beings for quite some time. And um, not only do I, have I felt insecure at different times, it's different for everybody. Just be aware of how insecurity, that's a fruit of pride, crashes your party between your two ears. Feeling insecure. I often feel insecure. I don't want to try new things or step into uncomfortable situations. I'd rather stay in the comfort zone because I'm afraid I'll fail or I'll look foolish. And I can easily get embarrassed. Holy Spirit moved me a while ago in the area of embarrassment. And when I seeked some wisdom around it, this is what this is what he shared with me. Any time that you are embarrassed, it is an indication that you are forgetting whose you are. It's an indication that we're forgetting that, that, that Jesus died and paid the price to win us over to freedom. It, we get embarrassed when we're concerned, too much self-concern, and, and, it, and it creates that insecurity. I'm focusing too much on myself. I, I care too much about how I came across um, rather than what God thinks of me. I care, again, it's linked to the fear of man. Insecurity is linked to the fear of man. It's an external transfer of identity. You are pushing out your identity to something outside of you, some shiny object, an opinion of another human being, status, recognition. Perhaps you tripped and fell, and then you get embarrassed. If you notice, in, in studying psychology and child psychology in my undergrad, it, it was I was fascinated by the studies done on embarrassment in younger children. Under three years old, embarrassment is rarely ever, ever seen. Why? Because it's not about you. It's not about other people and how other people respond to you. It's just about living in God. The younger the child is, the more free they are to just be who they are without any sense of embarrassment. Embarrassment is a learned behavior. And it comes from pride, my friend. By the power of the Holy Spirit, let's unlearn that today. Perhaps that's you. I often feel insecure. The 10th fruit of pride today is comparison. Do I compare myself to other people? This is so common. I just did it last week. Perhaps you just did it today. <laughs> I regularly compare myself to others. I am performance oriented. I feel that I have greater worth if I do well. What have you farmed out your identity to? I feel that I'm enough if, that's a little exercise I'll often ask clients to do to find out what's going on under the radar. 
in terms of their motives. I feel valued when. I feel that I'm enough if and when. Comparing yourself to others. Do you do it? It's a job for Jesus. Lord, help us to get over ourselves. Two more fruits of the spirit, and then we'll end today. Self-serving. I am self-serving. Or perfectionist, sorry. Perfectionist is 11. 11th fruit we're going to discuss today out of the 50 that Brent Detweiler has suggested here in his 50 fruits of pride. Perfectionism. I am self-critical. Are you self-critical? I tend to be a perfectionist. I can't stand for little things to be wrong because they reflect poorly on me. I have a hard time putting my mistakes behind me. Do you relate to that statement? I'm self-critical. I tend to be a perfectionist. What happens when things aren't perfect for you? Where do you go? Do you make a belief about yourself? Do you judge others? They didn't show up for you, so you weren't able to do a good job? Watch out for the fruit of pride of perfectionism. And finally today, the 12th, I picked 12, 12 disciples, 12 is a holy number, 12 tribes of Judah, self-serving. The fruit of pride of being self-serving. Do you relate to this statement? I'm self-serving. When asked to do something, I find myself asking, how will doing this help me? Or will I be inconvenienced? I am not focused on the needs and interests of others. We are called to put the needs and interests of others above our own. And that is a job for Jesus. <laughs> I was just praying for the grace yesterday with my husband. Help me to think of his needs above my own. I mean, it was a small little thing. We were driving home and we had gotten one of the things that he had wanted to get on one of our errands. And I wanted to stop because we were going by this one store to get bird seed for the wild birds and figured, hey, um, since we're here, do you mind if we stop? And, and he said, no, I just want to get home because he wasn't feeling too good. So instantly I could feel my ego knocking against my earth suit. Like, come on, it'll take like three minutes to make this stop. But then since I'm taking this 50 fruits of pride journey, I heard the voice of Christ. Put the needs of others above your own, Lord. Step aside. So self-serving, perhaps that's your fruit of pride today. Where do you recognize yourself today? Today we covered 12 of the 50 fruits of pride in this document, beautifully written by Brent Detweiler. It is a, it's, a, it's a study in itself, and it is the one thing that caused Satan to fall. And the one thing that God hates is pride. Why? Because we put ourselves in the seat of God. Whenever we are in a place of pride, we are playing God, my friends. And God can't do anything in our lives. When we do that. So, this is an invitation of freedom so God can do his mighty work in our lives beyond what we can imagine, beyond what eye has seen, ear has heard, mind can co comprehend. That's the kind of work that God desires to do in our lives. Our, our job is to simply die to ourselves, get out of the way, 
this particular study and breaking down of pride gives us the opportunity to get very, very specific with the Holy Spirit. Surrender, ask forgiveness, and focus on one or two areas that moved you today. And as I mentioned, go to edgegodin.com. This will be where I usually put the scriptures for each of our weekly studies. This will be where the scriptures are. It'll be a link to download to get to the PDF of the 50 Fruits of Pride. I just highlighted 12 today. I want to be important and known. I'm simply competitive. I want to impress people. I compare myself to others. I have perfectionism. I'm self-serving. I'm not very excited about seeing or making others successful. I'm self-sufficient. I'm anxious. I'm self-focused. I fear man more than God. And at times I'm insecure. So this just shows the areas that Jesus just wants to meet us at the well, just like he met the woman at the well to restore her identity. That's one of the stories that we have in our book, Emotional Intelligence in Christ. It's the one that's truly moving because she's the first one that Jesus declared that he was the son of God to. So that always says to me, so you're saying I have a chance because <laughs> she was, she was not in a good place in terms of her behavior. She'd been with many men and the man she was living with at that time wasn't, wasn't her husband, but Jesus grace and mercy restored her identity. Jesus is after identity restoration because there's a thief out there that is deceiving us with his trickery, causing us to place our identity in external things and then causing us to defend that external thing. Let's come back today. This is an exciting study. I'm excited for you to really take a look into this because I know the fruit of this will be the fruit of the Spirit, more love, more joy, more patience, more kindness, more gentleness, more faith, more goodness, and more self-control. That's the second phase of emotional intelligence in Christ. Holy Spirit, give us victory here. Help us to overcome the fruits of pride in our lives that are preventing us from, from you accomplishing your great work within us. Help us to act justly, love mercy, to walk humbly with you, dear God. You hate pride and arrogance. Evil behaviors and perverse speech were hijacked, Lord. Save us. Give us the grace to turn from our sinful ways and to come back to you. You are the lover of our souls. Restore honor to us through the grace of humility. We acknowledge the mighty work that you've done in our lives. We desire to pursue excellence, to defend and proclaim the truth of the scriptures. Increase our godly desire and ambition and purpose in the direction according to your will. And help us to acknowledge and appreciate the gifts and abilities you've given us. That's where you want us to be. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayers today. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Have fun with this, my friends. <laughs> I literally have this 10-page document printed out, and I hit my knees every morning saying, all right, Holy Spirit, what are we working on today?
God never wastes any of our time with him, but accomplishes a greater work than had we not even taken that moment to toss him a glance and give him space within us to overcome those dark shadows and fruits of pride that are robbing us from being able to step into the life, the fullness of life that he died to give us. I set before you today blessings and curses, life and death. Choose life that you may live, that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. True greatness, as we know from our emotionally intelligent leader, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walks through the archway of humility. May we have that more today than yesterday. Give him heaven out there. Enjoy your gift of life, and I look forward to our next podcast together.